This is Canna Ed. Have you taken the green pill? Disclaimer. The Canna Ed podcast is intended for educational purposes only. In the event that you wish to begin your medical cannabis journey, please seek a certified medical cannabis consultant, such as myself, or a medical professional, such as your recommending physician, for a personalized care plan. Cannabis products have not been analyzed, tested, or approved by the FDA. Patients utilizing cannabis for medical use should treat cannabis as any other medication that delivers psychoactive effects. This includes avoid operating motor vehicles or heavy machinery, performing child or elder care, and making important decisions. Okay, so I'm going to take you way back so that we can get into the history of the plant, part numero dos. Picture it. It's early in the 1900s. I want you to remember the state of the union and the country at this time. You had heroin that was being marketed and candies, medicines. You know, people were getting morphine for small ailments and becoming addicts in the streets through legalized heroin, marketed heroin. Heroin that was making money for the companies that were marketing it and making money. Hmm. Does that sound familiar to you? <clears throat> Opioid epidemic. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. It, it must be stuffy in here or something. So then in the early 1900s, you know, you had all of these agricultural and mining industries that were popping up in the U.S. And it attracted the workers. And they were basically the jobs that were left that the slaves weren't doing, you know, the growing and building their shit. But on June 19th, 1865, hashtag Juneteenth, the slaves were officially freed. So they weren't trying to do all these jobs. And obviously, the slave owners weren't trying to do it either. So then came an influx of the Mexican migrant workers, and they came and brought that good old ganja with them. So the Mexican workers were coming, you know, seeking better life and work. And during this time, in 1910 to like 1920, the Mexican Revolution happened. So then you had a war, and there were people who were war refugees, political exiles, and people just escaping the violence, looking for stability and employment. Oh, man. Wow, it's stuffy in here. Oh, I better throw on a diffuser or something. But it's really funny how history repeats itself, huh? Now, this is the 20s, the 30s. So the ganja was making its way around the U.S. and especially up north to Harlem. (laughs) Well, you know what was going down in Harlem in the 20s and the 30s, right? You know, you had the swing, the dance, the parties, jazz. You had people getting down like Louis Armstrong and Duke Ellington. Hashtag big mouth. Hashtag not sponsored, but should be. (laughs) But anyways, So you had the jazz musicians in Harlem who were bringing people down from the Bronx to hear the jams and they were integrating and they were enjoying each other. So the whites and the blacks were mingling, they were getting high, they were having sex and just enjoying each other. But oh no, the U.S. couldn't have that. You know, this was the Jim Crow era of America. Segregation, you know. Rosa Parks, she sat on the bus against it. 
So, you know, the good old government decided the migrants are using it and the blacks are using it. So let's associate it with them, label it by its Mexican name, marijuana, instill fear into the people and tell them that it's poisoning their pure white women into going insane and sleeping with the Negroes. And let's make it illegal in the public eye and the law. Here comes the propaganda. Here comes the reefer madness. And for that reason, and that reason alone, I don't like to refer to cannabis as marijuana. The name has a racist and negative connotation to it. So I prefer cannabis as cannabis. But for this episode's purposes, I might mention the word marijuana a time or two. New and Canna News. As of July 1st, 2019, the airing of this episode, 33 states in the union have medical cannabis laws. Now, I know it's kind of confusing that the states can have medical cannabis laws, but it's still federally illegal. But I want you to have no fear because we are dropping an episode soon that will explain what federal legalization means and how it's affecting the state of the plant right now. So make sure that you subscribe and follow so that you don't miss that episode. Okay, so let's get back to it. Now, Harry, mother Anslinger. June 4th, 1930, Harry Anslinger spearheaded a campaign to demonize cannabis. He said, and I quote, There are 100,000 total marijuana smokers in the United States, and most of them are Negroes, Hispanics, Filipinos, and entertainers. Their satanic music, jazz, and swing result from marijuana use. This marijuana causes white women to seek sexual relations with Negroes, entertainers, and any others, end quote. And yes, that is how I envisioned Harry Anslinger saying that quote. But he, nonetheless, he said it. (laughs) So, and I want to point out the fact that he said others. He said it seeks, it causes white women to seek sexual relations with Negroes, entertainers, and any others. Others, y'all. Associating Negroes, Hispanics, and Filipinos as others with their satanic jazz music. (laughs) I want you to just think that over for a minute. You know, you're you're referring to people as others. How is that going to divide the country? Mm. You know, it's cool that we use hemp to build our shit with, but if you smoke it, you're going to get that reefer madness and then go to jail. Now, I want to make something clear so that, you know, it's not taken as misinformation. That the law did not criminalize marijuana per se at this time, but if you were caught with it, I mean, hefty penalties like fines such as one to two thousand dollars or prison time were thrown at you. I mean, shoot, right now, one to two thousand dollars, that would be a hefty fine for me, too, <laughs> you know. But let's be real, too. If you were black during the Jim Crow era of America and caught with marijuana, how civil do you think that your dealings with the Justice Department would be? Yeah, don't forget, this was also the era of lynchings too. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I, I digress. <laughs> but this tax led to marijuana being snatched right off of the U.S. pharmacopoeia. 
This was the war on hemp. So you're probably wondering, well, why? Why did they start this war on hemp? They started bringing these fibers in from East India that were more affordable. And this was part of the Industrial Revolution in America. And I mean, once again, market control. You have these men with this money that have a lot of these buildings in America, you know, now that are even named after them. Cleveland, Rockefeller, companies like DuPont that invented cellophane, which is made with petroleum, a.k.a packaging that's standard for a lot of American goods that were made back then. I mean, we still have cellophane to this day. And that, along with plastics that were being used and ruining Mother Earth, yeah, plastics go back to the 30s. And Mother Earth has been sick and coughing. And as a result, you know, all these natural disasters that we've been experiencing lately. Wait, let me stop. (laughs) I digress again. I'm just passionate about this, you know, and when we know better, we do better. But I'm going to stop. Let me get back to DuPont. The very first plastics, you know, that were used had plant oils in them. And if you were using hemp as a fiber and used hemp oil, that would have slowed down their hustle, if not killed it. So hemp fiber would have killed William Randolph Hearst hustled too because he owned most of the newspapers at the time and he saw hemp paper as competition. And then you got the Rockefeller family of Standard Oil. Hemp sourced ethanol would have just demolished their game. And I bet you didn't know that the first Model T was made from hemp upholstery, hemp acrylic skin, and ran on hemp ethanol. Okay, Henry Ford, I see you up there in Detroit making your name with hemp. (laughs) All I'm going to say is hemp ethanol equals biofuel, but I won't digress this time. You can probably put two and two together. (laughs) But you had these heavy hitters in the business world of that era that had strong political influence and helped make decisions and helped to get laws passed. You know, corporations that were lining politicians' pockets, such as Harry Anslinger, so that their interests are put first at the expense of the people. (coughs) Oh, man. Wow. It is so stuffy in here. It smells like the reason cannabis is illegal in the first place is just a bunch of racist and political bullshit to me. If you or a loved one is interested in getting started on your medical cannabis journey, please reach out and let us help you. You are not alone. Through our personalized care plans, specialized educational formats, and very knowledgeable staff, we will be right by your side from obtaining your medical card to your first step inside a dispensary to the first time you indulge in cannabis and beyond. Now, if cannabis isn't new to you, but you're looking to utilize cannabis for symptom management of your chronic medical conditions, such as uh, chronic pain, anxiety, autoimmune inflammatory disorders, diabetes, 
hypertension, high cholesterol. I mean, there's so much information and research we can pull from to develop your personalized care plan. We also have care plans outlined for symptom management of various mental health disorders. Let us help you. Shoot us an email at canna.ed1 at gmail.com. That's canna.ed1 at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram to reach out. Either way, contact us so that we can get the interview process started and get you on your way to the proper medical cannabis treatment. Now, during the 30s and the 40s, you had a few individuals who hadn't lost their damn minds and knew that cannabis was not a harmful substance. One of them was Mayor LaGuardia of New York. Now, most people know the name because of the airport, but the New York mayor was a very strong opponent of the 1937 Marijuana Tax Act. So against it, the LaGuardia Committee was formed and they conducted very in-depth scientific studies into the effects of smoking marijuana in the United States. Now, 1944, the LaGuardia Report was finished. And this was a report that lasted six, yes, six years, and was conducted by a team of scientists from the New York Academy of Medicine. And what did they find, I'm sure you're asking? Well, I'll give you a hint. They did not conclude that the wacky tobacco was giving people the reefer madness. In fact, they concluded that marijuana did not induce insanity, violence, or sex crimes. They concluded that it was not addictive and that it was not what we refer to now as a gateway drug. So Harry Anslinger, he got pissed because, you know, he was the puppet that was supposed to demonize marijuana. So he just came out and said, oh, the LaGuardia report is unscientific. And you got to remember the times. There was no internet. There was no Google. They controlled the radio, the television, the newspapers. You know, there was no podcast to get your information from. Hashtag can add. <laughs> but you could silence a report from the public real quick, you know? Make sure you tune in to the History of Cannabis Part 3, where I'll go into the tricky dick of the 1970s, Richard Nixon, and the war on drugs. Make sure to subscribe or follow so you don't miss an episode of Canna Ed, where we will be releasing weekly to bi-weekly episodes. This pot pod is just as much about you as it is us, and we want to hear from you. So we encourage comments, questions, stories, and feedback. So please show us some love in the comments, subscribe or follow, and tell someone that you feel would benefit from a dose of Canna Ed. We'll talk soon, my friend.